So, I mean, I started this when I was 15. I just recently turned 18 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of growing up with it. My content's changed quite a lot. As it should. And there's something so powerful about that and taking people with me. I'm Tom Ward, and over the last couple years, I've had the chance to sit down with some of the biggest celebrities and influencers in the world. What I've always found most fascinating is the stories of the businesses that they've built behind the scenes. On this show, you'll get an inside look of what it takes to build a successful business from some of the biggest celebrities, business people, and up-and-coming entrepreneurs in the world. This is The Tom Ward Show. Hey guys, welcome to The Tom Ward Show where we interview the biggest entrepreneurs in the world, and I have a big entrepreneur right here, a very successful young businesswoman, Charlie D'Amelio. She's involved in startup, she's involved in tech, she's got her own brand, she does huge brand collaborations, and we're gonna talk about all of that. And she was also named the highest earning TikToker on Forbes the last two years. And it's not by accident. I heard, you know, I've been interviewing influencers for like four or five years, so you hear stories about people, right? And first of all, I've never heard a negative story about you, so that's good, we're not, we're not, we're not going down that road. But I heard a story about you that I just love. I think it was, you were 16 years old and a big brand wanted to work with you. And you're in a boardroom with the CEO and senior lead, leadership team. And you're sitting there and they're doing their pitch. And you listened and you said, no. <laughs> You've kind of trolled my friends online. And until you make an apology to them, I'm not interested. You're 16 years old. Look, I, I worked in corporate America for years. It's kind of scary sitting in front of a CEO. Some, sometimes, at least it is to me. Where do you get that confidence from? I think a lot of my confidence when it comes to being in a room with these powerful people is my parents, my dad especially, from a very, very young age, whenever we would have conversations about anything or we had different opinions on things, he would always let me say what's on my mind and sometimes he would change his opinion. We would have a adult conversation even if I was very young and he always made me feel like my opinions were valid and gave me a safe space to be able to speak my mind and I feel like with that, I took that into my everyday life and now I get to use that when I'm in these huge meetings with these CEOs of these crazy companies. But I think it's a very powerful thing to be able to know your worth and realize that if someone has talked down about you in the past, why would I go and do something for them? That just, I respect myself enough to be able to say no, even if it is a great opportunity. And I just think that there's something very special about that. There is something special about that. Now, did they take you seriously at first when you were coming up? So you're 16, you've blown up on TikTok, you've got this huge following. Brands really aren't sure what to do with TikTok yet. You walk in, do they take you seriously and your opinion seriously? Or are they kind of like, yeah, what does she know? It took a long time to be taken seriously um, in a professional world. Mm -hmm. When originally I was sitting down with these CEOs, they would look at me as almost a joke. And with that, I would take what they said and I would walk away and I would not go back. And still to this day, there's companies and brands that I'll never work with because of the initial reaction when they thought that I was going to be that same person forever. I've been able to find companies that respect me and respect what I do and appreciate what I do. And I would so much rather work with those people that not only respect me as a creator, but respect me as a human. And 
I'm a lot happier working with brands like that. How satisfying and good, good does it feel when they come crawling back? Yeah. Five years later, Charlie, because I mean, what brand doesn't want to work with you now? Charlie, please work with us, please work with us. Like, dude, you passed and you know, treated me like a joke four years ago, not interested. Does that feel good on some level? It definitely does feel good. It's refreshing <laughs> because they, you sit down with these grown adults at the age of 16 and they're like what does she know and then they're coming back and asking you for advice so but the reality is in your world you know a lot more than anybody at that table who knows more about social media demographics hitting target markets and all that than you yeah i guess so and once people realize that, it's a very quick switch. Now you've done some great partnerships, and of course the one that jumps out is Duncan. It was so natural and organic. How did that come about? The Duncan Donuts collaboration came about after a lot of free promotion. That um, <laughs> you were giving them? Yes, for a while everyone thought I was getting paid, and I was not, and I just shamelessly promoted and promoted and promoted because I really wanted to work with them until they gave me the opportunity finally and I immediately took it. And since then we've come out with two of my own drinks on the menu and sold out cold brew <laughs> nationwide. And it was a really big hit for me and that was a very nice feeling to see that all come together, but that was definitely a lot of my determination to work with Dunkin' Donuts for a very long time. Is that good advice for creators out there? Because a lot of creators are pay and play. Yeah. If you're not paying me, I'm not interested in promoting anything. So I'm not gonna promote any brands unless I have a deal with them. Is that good advice for them to, hey, you know, sometimes you have to give a little bit to get something? Yeah, I think each, each time is different. If you really want to work with a company, and that's a dream of yours, obviously go towards that. If it's a company that you somewhat like, but this other company is willing to work with you in a different way, in a better way for you, then go with that. There's definitely other things that I could have done rather than that, but at the time that was the best opportunity for me and I was willing to wait and I was willing to hold myself back from things that could have been really good for me. And instead I played the long game and that actually worked out really well for both of us in the end. And from now, I can either continue working with them or there's a million other routes that I can take just in the coffee world. In any world. Yeah. Let's be real. What brand doesn't want to work with you? And I'm sure you're getting hit up. And I was going to talk about this later, but why not now? You're getting hit up every day for, by somebody who wants something from you whether it's a brand who wants to work with, collab with you, or whether it's somebody on the street who wants you to do a TikTok or take a selfie, um, people pitching you know, investment opportunities to you, et cetera. How do you deal with that? Um, how do you deal with that? How do you not get jaded and kind of angry when people come to you over and over again and you know, you're like, I'm a person too. I'm not just like a never ending giver. You know, I have limits. Yeah, I think for me, I've, within this past couple months, I've kind of been able to separate myself as a person and who I am to the outside world. And I think that kind of taking a step back and being able to just do fun stuff with my friends and the people I love and stay grounded and talk to my family 
really helps me for when I do go out and there are people that want to talk to me, I get to appreciate that more. That's, that's a healthy way to look at it. Now, the problem that a lot of creators have is when you're a creator, you're the brand. So if they don't like your post or they don't like your video, they're, they're saying, I don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like the content you're creating. Absolutely. So is the answer to that separating yourself from that? And how hard is that? For a long time, I looked at myself as the brand and as what I was putting out there. Mm -hmm. But I'm not live 24-7 where people get to see my every move. They get to see what I share. And if they don't like that, that's perfectly fine. But there's also a different side of me that no one really gets to see too much. There's mm -hmm. stuff that I do that never comes out on the internet. And that is what I keep to myself. So they are judging me and my brand off of the perception of who I am through social media. But that is not who I am every day. That is very smart. And I think that's the reason for your success is obviously, you know, you're likable. But I think more importantly than that is you're relatable. Now on paper you go, what did she make last year? I'm not gonna make that in a lifetime, right? That's what the average person could say. But with you, it's kind of different because you forget that. Because a lot of creators are on Instagram flashing the new Lambo or the jewelry they've got or the club they were at last night or the party that all the girls were at the night before and all of that. And we don't see that from you. I mean, I'm sure you live in a beautiful house, of course. But I don't really see that. I don't see you with flashy cars or flashy jewelry? Yeah. Um, is that by design or is that just not who you are? Uh, I think it's very easy to get caught up in the, you're in Hollywood, you're going out every night, you're making your first bit of money, let me buy every car in sight. But I think for me, it's, I don't drive. I live with my big sister. I don't go out too much. I like just having my friends at my house. I would rather buy random cool t-shirts than <laughs> something super expensive. So I feel like it's having that balance in your life. If all you care about is kind of showing what you have, then you're only, having, you're only getting what you have for other people. Mm -hmm. When you can save that time and realize that I really want this for myself, even if it's not as big, it means more. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very special. And some of the more expensive stuff that I have, I do like to keep for myself. A lot of my jewelry is very sentimental. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy that route of things rather than always being so flashy. Doesn't mean that I don't enjoy something nice, but I definitely would rather keep that to myself more than be like, look at how much my necklace costs. Yep, and I, that's a huge turnoff, at least for me, just as a regular person following people on social media. When I see too much of the Lambo and the jewelry and every picture is perfect, you know, it's Photoshop, it's the right lighting, they never look bad. That's an immediate unfollow from Tom Ward <laughs> because I know it's BS. Yeah. And I don't want to see that. I want to see somebody, you know, bloated <laughs> because they ate too much pizza the night before or someone in their pajamas because they don't feel like getting changed yet because they don't have to work. Absolutely. I think being able to have a good balance of 
being a regular person and you're put together when you're put together, but sometimes you're in bed for 24 hours straight and that's just how life goes. I think being able to have that balance in your life is extremely important. And as a content creator, if I only showed the picture perfect parts, then I would only post 5% of my normal life, you <laughs> yeah. know? And people want to, and obviously your strategy is working out. So maybe, I, so. <laughs> I think so, the numbers don't lie. Maybe other creators can take note and take a page out of that. Yeah. And because of that relatability, every brand wants to work with you. So what's important to you when picking a brand? Because you have a bunch to choose from every day. Yeah, I think for me, when finding brands to work with, a lot of it is personality-based. When you talk to people in a real person setting, you can kind of see what their intentions are. And of course there's ad campaigns that I've said this before, they're gonna do with or without you. They just want your face or someone that cares about your ideas and your creative and you as a person and what you can bring to the table. I just think that that is more enjoyable for me. If you enjoy doing campaigns, I would say obviously do those. For me, I enjoy being a little bit more a part of the process and I find that I can connect with something more if it's truly me. So I tend to lean towards things like that, but also that can take a lot of time and a lot of building trust. There's some companies that it's taken two and a half years to be able to get their trust for you to have a say in what they do because these are big brands that work and they can easily go with someone else that's just gonna do whatever they say, but if they're willing to wait around, I think that they'll see that what I can bring to the table is something positive for everyone because what we both want is for this to work out well for the both of us, mm -hmm. so once they realize that I'm just as here for them as they're going to be for me, it can develop a really great and long-term relationship. And do you think your, the trust you've earned online and the authenticity you show there translates over to the business world that Charlie's shooting us straight over here, she's in her pajamas with no makeup on. I know if she tells me this perfume smells good, it's gonna smell good. Yeah, I think I hope that that relays to all of the people that watch me. Um, that's something that I kind of subconsciously try to do is just be as honest as I can possibly be. Um, I think people can tell when I really put a lot into something and they definitely connect more with that rather than something that's just like, hey, try this because I said so. You know, when yeah. they get to see the behind the scenes of how this actually came to life, there's a lot more heart into it. And I think people gravitate towards that in a way that's so different and so much more authentic. So let's talk about social tourists. You talked about projects that have, been, that have taken a long time and you really have your heart in and you can tell your heart is into this. Now, Sunday, I spent a half hour on the Hollister site counting how many different products you had. And I came up with 177. Now, I'm not great at math because they were in groups of three, so I might have like nine plus three is how much again. So I might have been off a little bit, but it was around that. And you've got everything. You've got hoodies, hats, um, 
I think bathing suits, pants, I mean everything. Now, every creator slash influencer has merch. This ain't merch. Yeah. This is a real, legit product line. And I can't name somebody else who's got that. And I'm guessing that doesn't just happen in a couple weeks. Like, yeah, here's some, let's, I like to have pants and that shirt's cool, like, I just put it in. When did you start working on that? Yeah, so originally my sister Dixie and I were working with Hollister. Um, we did a few ad campaigns together and we were partners and worked just with Hollister. And through that, Hollister and my sister and I were able to develop Social Tourist with the help of my dad and my mom and everyone kind of coming together. And throughout the beginning, it was obviously a lot more of Hollister's creative team kind of teaching us how sure. to create a clothing line. Mm -hmm. And then through that, with time, it's gotten a lot more in the hands of Dixie and I when it comes to colors and fabrics and silhouettes. And now you can see with every new drop that we have, it's definitely very us and took a very long time. You can see the difference between the first drop and the last drop. and. It's like a whole new thing. We um, kind of did a rebrand this year. What did you do? Um, restarted the Instagram page and okay. had a new, less commercial vibe and a little bit more of an aesthetically pleasing, teenage, more fun, less perfect. We shoot all of our content on iPhone. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was... Not super slick production yeah. or oh, not ad agency type stuff? No, and I think that... That has been super fun. It's definitely a lot of prep time. Um, I have a lot of appre appreciation for everyone that works in clothing because this is definitely not a super easy thing. So it's been a lot of work, but honestly, it's very, very fun. And it's also very rewarding to see people out and wearing the clothes that you made. Mm -hmm. How do you split up responsibilities between you and your sister? Do you have, a, do you, I mean, everybody has like, you know, strengths and weaknesses, and I'm sure both of you have different ones, maybe. Does she focus on one thing and you kind of handle something else, or how does it work? Yeah, it's very collaborative in a lot of ways. I think I do a little bit more of the, I don't know, I work a little bit more with the color palettes and kind of a little bit more of the fashion pieces. She's a little bit more into the merch stuff. Okay. So that's what we do, but there's obviously so much crossover and collaboration between just the two of us. And I think that that's really fun and we don't fight as much as we thought we would. Um, we're very open and honest with each other, which I think is what makes it so easy to make those decisions. We also think a lot alike, which helps, and we can kind of read each other's minds. But when it comes down to things like designing the pop-up store on Melrose, a lot of the interior of... Were you there for that? What was it? I mean, was it a mob scene? It was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. think? Um, but she did a lot of the inside of the store and kind of telling what she wanted it to be. And I would be like, well, let's do this here. That would be cool. And kind of just going back and forth until we're at a place that we're both happy with. Would you like to see like standalone stores or more pop-up stores? Because the cool thing about that is when you're selling stuff online, you don't get to see who's buying it yeah. or the reaction. Yeah, but to I see would... customers <laughs> in real life, 
you know, they can give you positive and they can give you negative feedback too. Absolutely. It's good to hear both from real people. Yeah, I think that it has been super fun to see the people that go into the store and are interested in the clothes because when people go into Hollister to buy social tourists, they're going into Hollister. This is truly all social tourists and that's super fun to see. But every so often I will, it's a lot when I go back home because there's a Hollister in my hometown mall. I'll go in there and kind of check out what's going on, so that's also super fun. You've got to get mobbed. Are you insane? No, I... Don't you get, like... <laughs> it really depends. you have to go with security and stuff? I normally don't. I... I'm never usually out by myself. I, I yeah. can't drive, so I kind of always have to have someone take me somewhere, so... Okay. I don't go out and about too much, but when I do, it's definitely not something where I'm like, why are people coming up to me? It's kind of a, well, I understand that I'm out and about and yeah. this might be the last time they see me and this interaction could make them love me or hate me. And there's gonna be a time where everyone's like, what happened to her? Wonder where she went. So mm -hmm. it's kind of taking advantage of the fact that people do actually care about me right now. Is it, you know, I'm, I can be negative, so I don't know how you do this. You seem so positive, but is that the attitude you have to take when you're a public figure like you? You get off a plane, you've been on there six hours, you didn't sleep the night before, and you have to go right to a shoot or something in the morning, and you get five people who rush up to you to take selfies. Do you have to go, I don't, I really don't want to take selfies. I really just want to get to the car, but this may be the only impression they get of me. Yeah, I think- And I'm gonna do it. I think for me, I rarely say no. Um, I feel like I try my very hardest to always be super positive and be super engaging. Sometimes I'm just like kind of on autopilot and I'm like, wait, what? Like who, <laughs> who wants a photo? And that definitely gets me kind of thinking and it does make me a little upset when I think back and I'm like, I could have been more there for that mm -hmm. because I am where I am because of these people. So it's definitely a more conscious thing now when I go out to try and be very open. Mm -hmm. It's also hard when you're not a super outgoing person because when people come up to you yeah, and you they're like- You seem pretty shy when I first met you. Yeah. you seem very, you're very soft-spoken. You don't yeah. seem like a real well, overly outgoing person. When someone comes up to me and says hi mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, like I'm not good at keeping the conversation going. <laughs> Is that where the conversation ends? Yeah, so I'm like, I don't know what to do. So it's kind of uh, being a little bit more comfortable to ask, do you want a photo? Because my worst fear, what I think is going to happen is I'm going to be like, do you want a photo? And they're going to be like, no. And I'm going to be like, got it. I need to go now. So no it's kind of like say no to that getting question. out of my own head to mm -hmm. make it more comfortable for everyone else. When you were dealing back to Hollister, I mean, when you came up with Social Tourist, I'm sure you got approached by maybe a hundred brands to start clothing brands. I'm sure your management team got pitches that never even made its way down to you, and they filtered them all out. Why Hollister and why not somebody else? The Hollister team from the beginning has just been so incredible to us. Mm -hmm. We were able to go to Ohio and actually see the Abercrombie & Fitch campus and get to see everything that 
makes Hollister and Social Tourist what it is and get to really talk to those people one-on-one. -on -one. And we got to start that relationship during the time that we were working with only Hollister before Social Tourist was even a thought in our minds. Mm -hmm. So all of that, if they were not great to work with, we definitely not, we wouldn't have went forward with it, mm -hmm. but they're just so amazing. This incredibly successful company is putting their trust into, at the time, two teenagers and- And investing a lot of money in this. Yes, and really kind of handing us the reins when we don't know what we're doing yet. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that they trusted us worked out for the both of us. And with that, we've just been able to have such an incredible relationship and it's just been such a positive experience from all sides because they're there when we need help because we don't know what to do all the time. And That's we're there partner. for them if, if they have any questions or any ideas that they want to run by us. And I think that that's such a great thing for both of us. And it's been, from the beginning, so, so special to be able to work with them. And, and talk about your new um, perfume brand, which you just launched. Did you launch it the same night as Dixie's album release party? Or did you have a party it was, the same night? So we weren't... You guys are huge with two giant events on the same night. Who's bigger than you guys? Well, we weren't supposed to originally have them on the same night. Yeah. Um, I had this one set and everything was all set up, but we were like... Dixie should do an album release party, but she leaves for tour. This yeah. is the only day we can do it. Mine was earlier, hers was later. We have shuttles bringing people from mine to hers. It was like- Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it worked out great. I was already all done up, didn't take two separate times. I saw you, you look yeah. very nice. It was, it worked out pretty well. Now let's talk about Born Dreamer. We got sidetracked. <laughs> let's talk about Born Dreamer. Yeah. I looked at the reviews on Ulta. I think, I mean, it's, it's fairly new, but it had like 150 four-star reviews, so it must smell good. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it's priced at a good price point, where it's not too cheap and like a throwaway thing, but it's also not too premium where your fans can't afford it. Yeah, I think that price point was something that was talked about a lot, and after all of the research on other fragrances that are around this, what Born Dreamer is, we decided that $48 for the original bottle was perfect. And when you think about it, people also talk about the set of Born Dreamer plus the refill being so expensive, but that's gonna last you so long because you get the original bottle, which is the 1.7 ounces, plus the refill, which is 2.5 ounces. So you can just continue to refill it and you get so much out of the money you're spending. You know, and I want to talk about the organization, the D'Amelio Empire, right? And it seems like, I think it was probably by design, you have it set up in a way where Mark doesn't have to be the boss. Like, you just hired Greg Goodfried, right? Is his name? UTA agent, big Hollywood agent guy, and he went to work for you guys, which speaks very well of what you're up to. But he's president of the organization. It seems like a very smart move. I met him, great guy. But I also heard that once you started blowing up, the first thing your mom did was to get a publicist, to get a marketing agency, and to get a manager 
to make sure you were doing things right from the beginning. How important has it been throughout your career to have a team around you? Most people don't know that. They see Charlie and they think she's doing everything. Yeah. Well, I think from the beginning, the kind of confusion for even throughout the first two full years, even now we still have our ups and downs and hiccups in the system that we've created. But the one thing that was important to my parents was the fact that I was safe and being smart with what I was choosing to do and not getting taken advantage of. And also making sure that I still had time to finish out these last childhood years that I have. Um, and I think with that, I save a lot of time by kind of handing off the responsibilities to my team in some ways and being there for the things that I feel like I need to be there for, even though sometimes they're repetitive or it's a lot of the same things going on with different companies, it is important for me to be there. But I do have a good set of people around me that help to make my life a lot easier and run a lot more smoothly because I still want to be able to do other things and get to hang out with my family and turn the work talk off and just get to really be there for each other. You're an investor in Lightrix um, and you collaborate with them as well. Talk a little bit about them and the platform. Yeah, I think with a company like Lightrix, you are, you trust this, you trust this, you trust this company, you're putting your trust, your your skin in the game and I think that there's an extra piece of connection when it comes to it because not only are they showing you that they care about you but you're giving that right back to them and working together working collaboratively and all we want is for everything to succeed so they know that we have something in this and we care about it so they're going to take our advice and listen to our questions and create based on the opinions and ideas that we have and are able to give to them. And I think apps like PhotoLeap and VideoLeap are perfect for creators and it makes so much sense as to why a creator would use that. And I think the fact that Lightrix and the D'Amelio family kind of found each other. Was so real quick, Tell us about what Lightrix is. Yeah, so. I was on it today and I'm like, well, the Demelios have stuff on there, but yeah. can I put things like, how does it work? Yeah, so there's video and photo editing within apps and it makes it a lot easier for creators that might not be as tech savvy or maybe are and just want a little bit of a shortcut way to sure. be able to make your videos and your photos so much better in a way where there's interesting cuts, there's fun fonts, there's things in the background, there's text, there's so many things that you can add without having to do 40 hours of research on how to use this editing app and trying to figure out everything that goes into it. And you watching countless YouTube yeah. videos trying to figure it out. <laughs> it's made it so much easier. There's these templates on VideoLeap where you can just insert your videos and all of a sudden you have this amazing video all put together in an edit and you just had to click one button and it just makes it so easy for everyone to use and as someone that's not super talented on the video editing side this has really made it so much easier for me to make my everyday content say you're a normal person and you're watching this 
and you go, yeah, I want to be a creator, but I don't know what I'm really great at yet. Now, Charlie, you were a dancer from an early age. You obviously had a skill that was apparent to most people that you could go show on video, and it works on video, right? People, you see you dance, it's kind of cool. But what if you're just, I'm not really that funny, and I don't, you know, do how-to stuff, and vlog's kind of weird. How do they know where to start? I would say, if you don't know where to start, try everything and see what feels the best. See what sticks. I think if you don't know what you want to do or what you enjoy doing, then don't hold yourself down to a certain type of content. It's very easy to get put in this box and you're stuck doing something that you don't like doing and give yourself that space to experiment and try new things and make different types of videos and be able to grow up with your audience. I mean, I started this when I was 15. I just recently turned 18 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of growing up with it. My content's changed quite a lot. As it should. And there's something so powerful about that and taking people with me. And obviously Take, people- You mean taking your audience with yeah, you along this journey? Taking my audience with me along this journey. I think that there were many times where people saw the change with big things, like getting a tattoo, for instance. That was a shocker for a lot of people. <laughs> but to me, that was something that I, that I was wanting for a long time. Everybody but has a tattoo. Who they cares? don't see the inside of things and it's just, I'm going to take them along with me and they're going to see me grow up and they're also going to grow up with me. And that's why with things like Social Tourist, you see the brand grow up with us and the clothes get a little bit different in style because our styles are wavering. And with Born Dreamer, I hope that there's so much to come with it and there's going to be growing up within that. And I think that there's something so special about taking people along the journey with you. And I think you create a lot more of a genuine fan base with that because they don't just like you to hear what you have to say about today's whatever. They care about what you have to say about today's whatever and tomorrow's something completely different because they care about your voice and what you have to say rather than this one thing that you're going to have to do for the rest of your life. And you know, making yourself vulnerable is key too, which is very uncomfortable to do on camera. Very. But that makes you relatable yeah. to, to someone who's going through the same thing that you are. Absolutely. To kind of let your guard down and not do like we talked about before, the Instagram perfect world. Yeah. So like, man, I can't get out of bed today. I mean, I'm going through some things. I think for the people that are able to be picture perfect all the time, I applaud them for the sole reason that that is so hard and I could never do Think that. about that, no desserts, no days off I mean, working out. When you, you know? think about it, it's like these people hold themselves to such a high standard and yep. they don't stoop lower than that. I uh -huh. do whatever and if people like me for that, then they like me for that. But I think that there's even something so powerful about being on all the time and being able to be this person all the time and have your hair done every day and your makeup done every day and always be always posting your everything. It's exhausting. Yeah. So I think that there's variety of content creation and obviously some people will lean towards me that'll post when I'm 
looking crazy, but some people will lean towards that, that almost it girl has her stuff together, always looks picture perfect. And it really depends on what you as a person lean towards. And I think that everyone's personalities are different. And for those people, I can look at them and be like, hmm, she looks so put together all the time. I wonder where she gets her clothes. And for me, it might be like- Yeah, true. Like an aspiration yeah, kind of it's, thing. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So I think that there's something very interesting about all of the different types of content because people that watch me might not like a Jake Paul mm -hmm. because we're so different. Sure, of course. But that doesn't mean that people don't like Jake Paul, you know? Yeah. And we're all able to do such different things. Even my sister and I, we post very different content. Yeah but we are also still able to work together and create amazing things. And I think learning that and being able to meet all different people and see what goes into everyone's content and seeing my friends work schedules and being like, that's how you prepare for things. Maybe I should do that. And kind of understanding all aspects and having those conversations with people that don't do what you do I think there's something really special about that. You know, I think that's a great message to end on. I mean, we've talked about everything. Yeah. Your entrepreneurship, we talked about startups, we talked about your parents, your management team, all the products you have out there, your investing. This was an enjoyable interview for me to do because hopefully this benefits you in some way. Yeah. Because again, like we said before, right? It's not just what's in it for me, it's what's in it for you too. I don't think people get to see this side of you. I'm sure every day you're asked, who are you dating? Who are you fighting with? What do you think of this person? Yeah. And it's nice to sit back and go, well, hold on a sec. Okay, sure, that's a part of her life. You know, she's in the public eye, but she's also a real legit entrepreneur and she's got a lot of insight there. So I'm glad you sat down with me, talked about it and shared, and hopefully you got some good lessons out there because I definitely did. Absolutely, thank you for doing this. Thank you for asking the questions that no one Never <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Make sure you subscribe to the channel and turn on notifications. New interviews every Tuesday at 10 a.m. with the biggest entrepreneurs from all walks of life. We did Charlie. I've got Tinder founder Sean Rad coming up. I did Rich the Kid, the rapper, talking about NFTs. I did Paris Hilton talking about Web3. So all kinds of entrepreneurs, all cool, all doing interesting stuff. So make sure you check it out. Thanks, guys.